afternoon, and thanks so much for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference. I'm Kimberly Shirk. I'll be your moderator for today's show, and I'm joined by co-authors Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. They are our experts on management techniques, the research behind them, and why effectively implementing them can really make a difference in your organization. So today's topic for discussion is delegate to the right people and ask for a commitment. This is described in chapters 34 and 35 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. We hope you'll pick up your copy today. And um, today's topic is just really intriguing to me. And Larry, you and I were talking, you have a brief story or maybe not so brief story about um, an executive chef. I'd love for you to share that with our audience. It's my pleasure. I don't think I've told a brief story in my entire life. (laughs) Uh, So I was in the uh, hotel business. I was working for Ritz-Carlton. We had in in this particular Ritz-Carlton a pastry chef who, who was a genius as a pastry chef. This this guy, his name was Eric. He could produce works of art, honest to God, works of art that also tasted incredible. And Eric, so he was a brilliant pastry chef. He had 15 people reporting to him because they also made all the breads and rolls and all those kinds of things in in the bakery. And uh, he was terrific as a pastry chef. He was a great teacher but he was really, really not good at disciplining his employees, which is an aspect of management, and you have to do that from time to time. He just didn't like confrontation. He wasn't good at it. So I remember uh, being in a meeting with uh, the executive chef who was talking to me about the fact that, that Eric, the pastry chef, the pastry chef reported directly to the executive chef. And he was mentioning that, you know, it was a little frustrating that Eric wasn't good at disciplining his people, and it was causing some problems in the kitchen. And after a brief conversation, I just said to the executive chef, well, I have a solution. He said, what's the solution? He said, you're going to do the discipline for people in the in the pastry shop. And he said, that's not my job. And I said, it is now. Uh, <laughs> and, and because... One delegates to people who have the right strengths in the right places to do whatever it is you're delegating to do that with excellence. That's the fundamental rule, the fundamental issue for any of you listening. You want to be a good delegator. First, start thinking about who is the best person for this particular assignment. Who's got the right strengths? And because they have the right strengths, they're probably going to love to do the assignment. Now, as it happened, uh, the, the, the executive chef wasn't thrilled about doing this. But as a matter of fact, he was very good at it. And in his heart of hearts, he understood what I was doing and why I was doing. And he did do that. And it actually made his life easier. Uh, because when somebody isn't good at something and you ask them to do it, they don't really do it with excellence. Uh, another example, and, and then I'll, I'll turn this over to you again, but every Christmas, I want to remind listeners and our new listeners, I used to be a general manager with Ritz-Carlton, and every Christmas, you have to decorate the hotel, and there's a lot of decorating to do, and you have to do it in a way that's tasteful and classy and really impressive. People need to walk in your hotel and go, wow, this really looks beautiful, and and. Uh, not everybody can do that. It's it's a talent. It's decorating. And I used to, there, there was some standard 
things that were in people's job descriptions about who should be involved in doing this decorating and making the decisions about what decorations we would have. And, and I just ignored all those things because I had a couple people on the staff who were really good at this. They could visualize the space. They could visualize uh, the various decorations that would work in that space, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I just delegated that to them and we were all better off for it. So I didn't look at the org chart. I, I paid attention to my people and who had what strengths. So there's a couple of stories to kick it off. You know, when that first story especially highlights for me something that we've been talking about, um, Kim, is there are different types of delegation. And boy, that story could not have highlighted it better. There's mentoring someone, and then there's finding someone who's better than you at a job. Can you um, talk a little bit about um, the explanation behind that? Sure. And What's interesting about both of those things is that they both have the root in the same thing. And we've talked about this on on different podcasts um, before, but, you know, the reason that as a manager you need to delegate is because if you don't let go of some things, you're not going to be able to do your job as a manager. When you stop being an individual performer and you become a manager, there are lots of things that you're really, really good at. But you can't do all of them because your job isn't to do them anymore. Your job is to facilitate other people getting them done. And so you have a couple of choices as a manager for how you're going to do that through delegation. One is to delegate responsibilities to people who seem to have the potential to be successful at them. They're interested in those things. You've seen them be good at things that are related to something they've, they don't know how to do yet. And you use that delegation as kind of a mentoring opportunity, a coaching opportunity where you're going to teach someone who seems to have a lot of potential something new so that they can get better at it. And in doing so, they're doing it and you're not. The other side of that is looking around yourself and saying, here's somebody who's a lot better at this than I ever was or I ever will be. I've seen them do it. I know they're great at it. I'm going to delegate this to them because they're going to do it better than I do, and they're going to even think about it better than I do. There's nothing for you to teach this person because they're already better at it than you are. So those are kind of two different directions that mentoring can take. I feel like there's also an element that we're missing in terms of being the delegator as well. In order to be able to do that, A, you may have to have a talent for it. B, you have to have an element of trust. Can you all talk about that a little? Well, sure. A lot of the reason that managers don't delegate is they don't trust the person or persons to whom they might delegate something. They don't trust that they're actually going to do that task, that responsibility, that job. They don't trust that they're going to do it with excellence. And the manager says, if you want something done right, do it yourself. That particular phrase was not written by a manager or a leader. There are some things that each manager or leader really wants to do themselves because they happen to be better at it than other people. But there are, there are times that th- this limits you. So this, you have to trust people. 
And if you're a manager and you're not surrounding yourself with people you can trust, you need to make some different decisions about who you bring on your team. If you can't trust the people who report directly to you, your work life is not going to be easy, I assure you. How do you go about, if you are not a natural delegator, how do you, how do you go about doing changing that or can you? I'm going to pass this hot potato to Kim Turnick. <laughs> well, if you're not a natural delegator, maybe you shouldn't be a manager. I mean... <laughs> I don't want to go that far because just the fact that it's not natural for you doesn't mean you can't learn some aspects to do it somewhat effectively. If you're not natural at it, you're going to have to have some very specific strategies. One of those is going to be to have a very clear and deep understanding of the strengths and weaknesses of the people on your team. One of the most important things you can do if this doesn't come very naturally to you, is to get to know every person that you manage really, really well. So that's where I would start. We can keep going from there, but what do you say? Uh, I say do that, and I also say, as we have, as we wrote in the book, and as we have taught uh, on this podcast, if you realize that delegation is not your thing. It doesn't feel good to you. It's, it's not where you typically go. Um, ask your colleagues for help. Identify somebody who is naturally good at delegation. And maybe it's your assistant in the department. Maybe it's somebody who just happens to be working in your department and naturally just sort of uh, you've noticed that this person has some good ideas about who should be doing what, or maybe maybe it's another department head, or maybe it's the HR uh, professional who supports you. But look for someone who is naturally good at it, and then say, "Hey, help me out here, will you? Um, I want to make sure I'm I'm delegating in the in the best possible way." And quite frankly, it's not my strength. Give me some help. So you have to have the kind of you have to work at having the kind of ego where you can where you can say openly, you know, this is not my strength. This is how teams produce synergy. When I can say uh, to Kim Turnage and Kim Shirk, you know, you're way better than I am at this. And thank God, because we really need to get this done with excellence. And thank God you're here and you can you can appreciate each other's strengths. So number one, get to know all your people and so forth. And number two, solicit help from somebody who does have this natural talent. Well, and speaking of ego, figure out why delegating is so hard for you. Is it because of your ego? Is it because you really believe you're better at whatever needs to get done than anybody else could be? Is it because... You want to have so much control over the outcomes that you just can't let really let go of anything. Because one thing we haven't talked about is that in order to effectively delegate, you really do have to let go of that thing. Yeah, and so delegation involves risk. And that brings up, once again, the issue of trust. Uh, There's a risk involved. It may be that you are, in fact, better than that person, but this is the kind of thing that you need to delegate 
for all the good reasons that Kim Turnage has mentioned. So it frees you up so you can focus on other things. Uh, you might actually be better than another person. I've seen uh, department heads get promoted into executive positions. So the restaurant manager in a hotel gets promoted to be the food and beverage director. Well, that food and beverage director may be still better at running the restaurant to whoever is now running the restaurant. But if that food and beverage director decides he or she is going to run the restaurant, then it's taking up too much of their time and they can't do the rest of their job. So they, you have to take a risk. You have to trust these people. And to some degree, you have to get yourself at peace with the fact that the, this person may make an error in doing what you've delegated them to do. And that's part of the package. So uh, we get that this is not easy for everyone. We are, on that note, going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more insight from Larry and Kim, the authors of Managing to Make a Difference. We do hope you'll pick up your copy today at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, or you can go to 800 CEO Reads if you want to purchase it for your entire management team. It's a great book, a great read, and we'll be right back to discuss more on delegating to the right people and asking for commitment. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference with Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope that you will take the time to visit our website at managedmakeadifference.com. You're going to find materials and exercises that go along with all of the lessons we're talking about on each podcast, as well as information you need to order books for your team, to book Larry for a speaking engagement, and, and additional resources too. So we hope you'll check that out. Today, we've been discussing some thoughts from chapters 34 and 35 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. The chapter is titled, Delegate to the Right People and Ask for a Commitment. And one of the things we talked about in the first segment is that you have to, delegation involves with risk, it involves trust, Um, when it's done well, it um, involves even a little peace of mind that either things are going to get done really well or there may be mistakes along the way, but it is still allowing the next person to grow and free you up to do some other things. So, Larry, you had some insight on just the studies that we've done in terms of leadership. Can you share that with us? Yeah, sure. I just wanted to mention that Talent Plus has been studying managers and leaders for uh, 30 years. And so we've studied tens of thousands of managers and leaders, and we've followed many of them in our in their careers. And we know who excels and, and who doesn't excel. And I can tell you without exception, the very best managers, the very best leaders are good delegators because they surround themselves with people who have the right strengths so that they can delegate to them and they trust them. So if you're a manager and you're struggling with delegation, I encourage you to work on it because the very best managers and leaders are people who are good at delegation. So I just wanted to start off with that observation. And in the book, I know that what we touch on are a lot of questions in terms of trust. Uh, That's a little bit of a holdover from our first segment. But Kim, can you talk to us about those questions about the importance of establishing that? Yeah, when you are when you discover that the reason that it's difficult for you to trust somebody or to delegate to someone is is that maybe you don't trust them. You have to start digging around in that and, and try to understand it a little better. Why don't you trust this person? You need to ask that question of yourself very directly. And ask yourself too, am I willing to make the effort and make the investment to increase my trust in this person? And if you're not willing to do it, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to have to recognize that if you want to increase trust, if you want to get yourself to a place where you're going to be more able to trust someone to get something done well and right, you might have to make an investment. That investment, of course, is going to pay off. But you've got to really look in the mirror and be very honest with yourself about what's holding back the trust. Is it something that person's done or is it something inside you? And whatever that underlying reason for the lack of trust is, are you willing to make the investment to work on it? Yeah, you just reminded me, and this is actually a brief story. At one point in my career, I was reporting to an individual who was highly perfectionistic and uh, had delegated to me a particular uh, uh, task, and uh, I made some mistakes. And I was in her office, and she was not happy about those mistakes, and she said, you know what, maybe I'm going to just take that back and do it myself so I make sure it gets done right. And I said to her, if you are looking for somebody in my position, if you are looking for someone who doesn't make mistakes, I'm not your guy. 
and she had a little bit of an insight as a result of my saying that and, and realize, okay, I'm not going to take it back because that won't serve me, the boss, well. If I, if I start taking everything back every time somebody makes a mistake, I'll be overwhelmed the first day I start that. So she realized that that, that was not going to be a winning strategy for her. Um, so ju- just some, all of this is food for thought for all the managers who are listening, who are struggling with delegation. You've got to trust well, people. It's, we're veering back toward uh, the topic of a, an earlier show, which was called Resist the Temptation to Seize Control. <laughs> and every manager is confronted with that temptation for one reason or another um, at some point in their career. And sometimes more often and uh, to a greater extent than they might wish. But that question, why, is often a really good place to start. Why do I feel like I need to take control back of this? Yeah, and and, uh, both of my colleagues here on this call uh, are parents of uh, children of various ages. And my question to both of you is, how does this apply to parenting? You know, from my perspective, if you don't delegate responsibilities to children, you aren't doing your job as a parent because um, our job is to train them to be adults, to be responsible adults. And if you aren't able to delegate responsibilities to them and you hold on to that while you send them off to college, and I have not yet reached that age, Kim, you can probably speak to that better than I can, but you send them off to college and they're ill-equipped to deal with the challenges of performing duties and and delegated chores and responsibilities um, without ever having learned to do it underneath your household. Absolutely, Kim. And, and, you know, that moves us back into what we were talking about in, in the earlier segment in the show where we were saying one kind of delegation is to help a person grow, to help a person develop into their potential. And, you know, as a parent... If you never let go, you never allow that person to develop into their potential. And like you, Kim, I see my job as a parent. For me, my job is to build capable young adults. And you don't, you're not a capable young adult if somebody's always seizing control and taking care of things for you or solving your problems for you or telling you, sorry, you made a mistake. You're not going to get another shot at that one. I mean, if we all did that, if all of our parents did that, none of us would be driving vehicles right now, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Larry, I know that we have talked um, and shared a story about a spa manager, and one of the things that always strikes me about the story, and I'll let you tell our audience it as well, but is the fact that you were able to trust him based on some information that you had to stair-step him into what his true potential could be. Would you share that story? Yeah, I'd be happy to. I was in, in the pre-opening phase of a hotel, and the part of the hotel was going to be a very serious uh, spa and we were we were hiring all kinds of people and when you when you make a hiring decision when you make a selection decision 
you are deciding to delegate to somebody a package of responsibilities. So every time you're making that decision, you're also making a decision about delegation because they have a job description, they have responsibilities and so forth. And and I, uh, I had the good fortune to be interviewing a candidate uh, who, who had applied to be a massage therapist in the spa. His name is Kevin. And Kevin, I hope you at some point listen to this podcast. Uh, and, and Kevin, uh, so I started interviewing him and uh, to be a massage therapist. And as I was doing that, I started to hear some I have started to hear some talent, which indicated to me that he might have supervisory talent. So I had a different set of questions that I, I asked for people who I was considering in supervisory positions. So I, I, I flipped over to those questions. I started asking him those, and he was doing really well. But I, I heard even even more serious uh, uh, talent, and, and I flipped over to the set of questions that I would use for people that I was considering to be department heads in the hotel. And he just, he did an unbelievably good job. And Harry was applying for massage therapists. So we, we got done with uh, what turned out to be a rather lengthy interview. And, and I said to him, Kevin, I, I've got good news and bad news. I said, uh, uh, I'm not going to make you an offer to be a massage therapist. And of course, he, he was disappointed. I said, but how would you like to be the department head? How would you like to be in charge of the entire spa? I think you have that potential. And uh, it, it took a while of, of back and forth over several days to get him to a point where uh, he was willing to take that kind of a risk. And he did. And as it happened, the opening of this hotel was extremely challenging. And just after we opened, we had a big flood uh, and the spa was on the on the lower level. And so the entire spa flooded out uh, and other parts of the hotel flooded out. And it it, it just it, it presented immense challenges. It was, this was one of the, the most difficult hotel opening I personally ever participated in. It just crushed people. It was so difficult. And Kevin was like the Terminator. Nothing stopped this guy. Everything that came up, he dealt with it uh, and, and uh, really performed in such an exemplary way that I, I uh, really was silently patting myself on the back for seeing his, his potential. But this is a, when you hire somebody like this, this is a delegation decision. I delegated the, the running of this spa to this guy who, as it happens, had never done this before. Uh, but he did it with such a degree of excellence under such difficult circumstances. These are, these are the kinds of things that as, as you go through your career, in management and leadership, when when these kinds of things happen, uh, it gives you a huge amount of satisfaction. In fact, we've talked about the fact that it's a win-win situation. If you're able to delegate to someone who brings you success via their talents, it also frees you up to do other things and take on other challenges yourself. Kim, any thought, last thoughts on that win-win situation? Yeah, I mean, that's the central goal of, of management and leadership. It's to put people in a position where they become their best selves, where they achieve the height of what they can achieve, and that by enabling and empowering their success, you become successful as well. Because that's your job. 
your job is to make them successful, and when they're successful, you're successful, and so is your organization. Exactly right. Uh, We are going to take another quick break, and we'll be back with the third segment. But first, I want to suggest to you that if you have a question related to this topic or any other management issue, we want to hear from you. So all you have to do is simply click that email host button just above the podcast description where you log in, and we'll incorporate those topics into upcoming podcasts. So stay tuned for Managing to Make a Difference. We're talking about chapters 34 and 35 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference, today delegate to the right people, and ask for a commitment. And we'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. Do you realize that the root of your challenges lie within you? It's time to find out more about coaching and how it can help both you and your business. Coaching for Real with Ronald Graves will help you gain a deeper level of self-awareness to find the answers inside yourself. Our guests are business professionals just like you who agree to a coaching session on our radio program. Tune into Coaching for Real live every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back, and thanks again for joining us this afternoon for Managing to Make a Difference. We um, wanted to call your attention to the fact that in this book, there are really practical lessons and experiments that you can take away 
right today and put into your organization. And we'd love to have you execute on those and then even give us some feedback on how that's going in your organization. In the first segments, we're talking about chapters 34 and 35 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. It's entitled Delegate to the Right People and Ask for a Commitment. And we left off with a story that Larry was sharing about someone he hired once, um, a spa manager who actually came in wanting to be a massage therapist, and yet Larry recognized his potential and then delegated the responsibility, a higher responsibility to him. And he actually um, he actually executed on that extremely well. Kim, what were your thoughts on um just the impression of that story and what it means in terms of commitment. Yeah, I really like the the point that Larry made, which is that when you're hiring someone, you're effectively kind of delegating this entire package of responsibilities to them. Um, I don't know how often people really think about that. Um, but whether you're thinking about making a hire where you're delegating the full package of a, a position's responsibilities to someone, or whether you're doing it more piecemeal in the development of someone and giving them one responsibility or two responsibilities at a time. One of the questions you can ask yourself and one of the things you can sort of select on and make decisions based on as you make those delegation decisions is, does this person understand the level of sacrifice that will be required from him or her in order to be optimally successful? Have I clarified the level of commitment that they need to bring to this in order to optimize their success? Have I asked them specifically for that commitment? And that's really what we, we've talked about delegation, but we've also, we also want to talk about asking for a commitment today. And that's one of the things that you can do in that process, whether you're hiring someone or making one of those smaller task-oriented kind of delegations. Have I clarified the commitment I want from this person? And have I asked them if they're willing to make it? Yeah, I, I have a couple of uh, thoughts that are coming up while I, while I listen to that uh, great point. And the, the, I want to take it back to the the macro uh, perspective, the title of the book we're talking about is Managing to Make a Difference. And one of the wonderful ways to make a difference in the lives of the people who report to you is to make sure that as a team, you're striving to achieve extraordinary outcomes. And it's, these, it's, these, it's the commitment to an extraordinary outcome that requires the sacrifice. And, and it's the commitment to make the sacrifice. And I just thought of uh, a time when this occurred in my life, when I was appointed to be the general manager of the Ritz-Carlton and Tyson's Corner. Uh, we, our mission was to pursue an experiment to see if we could run a hotel through a model called self-directed work teams. And it, it's a very different way to run a business. And I, I, I'm just now remembering that in installing me as the general manager, the CEO of the company actually came out to the hotel and had a meeting with me and all the executives who were going to report to me. And he asked for their commitment. He said, listen, 
I've brought Larry in here to be the general manager because I think he's the right guy to lead this experiment, this self-directed work team experiment. And I understand that you may not want to participate in this. And I need to make sure that Larry has an executive team who is fully committed to the success of this experiment because it's not going to be easy. And I understand that any one of you might not really be excited to participate in the experiment. So I am here to tell you that it's okay. And that if you don't want to hop on board for this uh, and make these commitments to make this work, that's okay. I'll make sure you get transferred in exactly your same role. I'll make sure you get transferred to another Ritz-Carlton. This won't be difficult. But if you're, so tell me now. Do, do you want to make this commitment or do you not want to make this commitment? And uh, one of them decided not. And he went on to have a great career. He, Horst Schultz, he uh, fulfilled his, his commitment. He had this individual transferred and, uh, you know, everybody was uh, still friends and so forth. And there was no hard feelings. And he got transferred. And, and the next person who came in, we, we explained, you know, this is what we're doing. You have to commit to this. Uh, to come on board here. And we had a similar conversation with every single person who joined the hotel in any sort of management or leadership position that this is what we were doing. In addition to running a great hotel, we were doing this experiment over here in in self-directed work teams. And uh, they had to to tell us that they were willing to to be committed to to this mission so, Kim, your your remarks just made me remember all of that and remember being on the receiving end of, of somebody asking for these commitments so that we were positioned to strive to achieve what turned out to be an extraordinary outcome uh, was to see if we could manage a hotel through this approach. Well, I think it's important to point out the power that comes along with inviting someone to voluntarily make that commitment. Nothing's being foisted upon you. I'm asking you if this is the commitment you want to make. And when you have that choice and when you say yes, you're going to be that much more committed than you would be if I just told you this is what I expect. Absolutely. And and I want to point out that this is what salespeople do for a living. They ask people to make commitments to buy something, whether it's something in a retail store or an automobile or a software package or whatever it might be. This is what salespeople do for a living. And there's a reason I bring this up. Asking for commitment is not easy. And not everyone is comfortable asking for certain kinds of commitments. And so as a manager, uh, you will find uh, you'll find that the great coaches were very comfortable asking commitment. Uh, Kim Turnage was uh, a track star, an NCAA track star. Kim, do you remember uh, a time when a when a coach uh, looked you in the eye and asked for a commitment? Well, certainly, I, I remember a lot of times. <laughs> Um, but, you know, the one that comes to mind the most is sort of that hiring and selection moment where a coach is sitting in your living room with you and your parents and says, so, 
can I get your commitment? Do you want to come to the University of Nebraska? We've told you what we're all about. We've told you what we expect. We told you what it's going to be like. Can I get your commitment? And again, we're back to that. You're making that selection decision. Part of it is asking someone if they really want to make that commitment. So we, this, again, I want to make sure that we connect these, these concepts. It connects to delegation. If you want to achieve extraordinary outcomes, you want to delegate tasks to the people who have the right strengths to do those tasks with excellence. And over the long period, you want to make sure that you're asking for the commitment to put forth the extra effort it's going to take in order to achieve that level of excellence as an individual performer or, and as a, as a team. And when you get those two things right, and the teammates then can ask each other for similar kinds of commitments as you're working together to achieve those extraordinary outcomes. And if you can do those things as a manager, believe me, you are going to have an experience uh, that uh, will you will remember for the rest of your life. And everybody on your team is going to share in that experience that they'll remember for the rest of their life, where they were they were given a certain set of responsibilities. You showed them trust that they could execute those responsibilities, that they would put in the extra effort, that they would do whatever it took to achieve the extraordinary outcomes you were after. And it, it's, it's not the achievement of the outcomes that has the impact on the people. It's, it, you celebrate that achievement, but it's the journey that has the impact on the people when you get that right. Everybody really looks forward to coming to work every day if, you, if you've got these elements in play. And I think that's a when challenge. It occurs to me, Larry, that when you say that it's a sales thing, you know, successful salespeople ask for the commitment. We were talking earlier about why is it hard for you as a manager? Why is it hard for you to delegate? That's one question you can ask yourself, too. Is it hard for me to make the sale? Is it hard for me to ask the commitment? Is it hard for me to ask someone to do something when I don't know if they want to make that commitment or not? Yeah, if the answers to those questions are yes, you might be under a lot of stress in a management position. Uh, I and, should and, think so. And, and, and you might want to start thinking, it, 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 if this is something I, I'm, I'm not great at naturally and I don't really like to do this, and if, if this is sort of a cornerstone of the, the type of talent that I need to be a great manager, perhaps you should start thinking of having a career that doesn't involve managing other people. It's a really interesting topic or note to end this segment on. We're going to take another quick break. I do want to remind you that if you're enjoying these podcasts as much as we are enjoying putting them on for you, um, you have the opportunity to ask Larry to come to your organization and share some of these 
different topics. Uh, there are several chapters, I believe 72 within the book, and they're all different lessons and can customize a speaking engagement just specific to the challenges your organization is facing. So if you have a management team that's coming together once a year to really think about these issues and put some time and effort around planning for the future and how those teams will be managed, I highly recommend not only just purchasing the book, but really bringing Larry in for an interactive session where you can ask the questions that you want to have answered. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a great investment in your time and in your effort and in your organization to make that commitment. So and we'll e- ask for that commitment today. Even if you don't invite me, if I'm in the neighborhood, I might just burst in <laughs> and start uh, sharing them spontaneously uh, and, and making everyone crazy. Well, which may be even more amusing. So uh, we'll take a quick break. We're right here on Managing to Make a Difference, and we'll be right back to discuss chapters 34 and 35 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference. We'll see you soon. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Asked to manage your teams but wonder when or how? Join Talent Plus on-site with us or at your corporate office for a seminar built just for you. Leadership Toolbox focuses on individual engagement, talent and fit, team dynamics and growth, and creating a strength-based culture. This interactive, seminar-style format is just the set of tools you need for world-class team performance starting now. Reserve your spot today at talentplus.com. When managers make a significant impact, their teams are engaged, motivated, and excited. They love what they do. When those people work for you, you get results. Results matter, and people drive results. At Talent Plus, we've assessed millions of people over decades using our rigorous science to predict successful on-the-job performance and cultural fit with an organization's mission, vision, and values. Our online assessments and person-to-person interviews not only identify talents, but uncover a roadmap for success from a person's first day on the job to the day they retire. When people celebrate their talents, use them daily, and think about how to lead with their strengths, they help their companies grow, produce, and innovate. Want to learn more about empowering your people to help you do great things? Visit us today at talentplus.com. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Managing to Make a Difference today with Larry Sternberg and Kim Turnage. We've been talking about delegating Uh, to the right people and asking for a commitment. And one of the topics we kind of ended the last segment with is what if you don't like to delegate and what if maybe this isn't the right role for you? Thoughts on that? Yeah, we we haven't talked about this aspect of things much in in the podcast. Uh, However, 
if if you're listening to this and you're in your heart of hearts saying, gee, you know what? I, I have a hard time trusting people. I really have a hard time letting go. I really don't feel good about delegating. I, I you know, asking for commitment is, is just not who I am. It, you you may be if you're in a management role and you're you're saying those kinds of things to yourself and uh, yeah I, I don't really want to be friends with my employees if you're saying all these things to yourself you may be under a lot of stress uh, because you're in a role where in order to really excel those are the kinds of things that ought to be giving you joy those are the kinds of things that when you do them every day you ought to go home filled with energy because uh, these these things give you so much intrinsic satisfaction from doing them and, and doing them well. So I just want to say to everybody out there, clearly being a manager is not the be all and end all for a person's career. If this doesn't happen to be the right role for you, there there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. That if you come to the conclusion that management is not the right role for you, uh, that's a good conclusion. It's a wonderful, important insight. And you can start looking for a role that doesn't ask you to do these kinds of things, which don't come naturally and may be very, very difficult for you. And and. It, it, if that's you, quit struggling against it. There are a lot of things that you can be proud of doing. I mean, I studied to be a lawyer, and, and lawyers aren't managers. They're, they're individual performers. Athletes typically don't become the coach. They don't become the boss, but they're very celebrated for being great individual performers and, and salespeople and service people. And there's all kinds of ways to add a huge amount of value to the customers you serve and a huge amount, make a huge contribution to the success of your organization and progress in your career without becoming a manager. So if this is something that is struggling, you're struggling to do, maybe think about taking a different direction in your career. Well, and to that point, Larry, I would just add, if you're in an organization where the only way for you to grow is to move out of an area where you're highly successful and into a management role and you know that's not really a great fit for you, look for a different organization where you can have some growth that really is consistent with who you are and that is a better fit for you. And I guess I'd say on the reverse side, if this resonates with you in terms of mentoring people, in terms of helping people achieve their potential. Kim, where, where do you go from there if this is resonating with you and you know this feeds your soul? Yeah, back to the, back to the premise of the entire book, managing to make a difference. The managers who make a difference are the ones who make a positive impact in the lives of the people that they manage. And if this is what gets you excited, then you have found your niche. And what we have to provide to you are lessons learned through research and through our own experience about how you optimize that for yourself and for the people you lead. So dig in and do those things that come naturally to you and find ways to do them more and better. What is the best manager you've ever had and why? 
Okay, I'm thinking. Who is? <laughs> Let me correct my grammar on that. Who is the best manager that you have had and why? Oh, I'm going to come up with some answer here. And then uh, later today, I'm going to say, oh, my God, you forgot this person over <laughs> here. Uh, okay, one example. How about that? <laughs> the older you are, the more opportunities you have to make that to make that ma- mistake, don't you? <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about uh, somebody who was my, my manager and my mentor in, in Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company. His name was Siggy Brower. And unfortunately, uh, Ziggy has uh, passed away, uh, but um, he, uh, he really, really, his, his commitment to helping me be successful was uh, without limitation. He, he would have done whatever it took, including if I were weekend at Bernie's, he would have been right behind me, propping me up and and talking on my behalf in order to make me successful. I mean, there there was nothing I could have done wrong that he wasn't prepared to uh, accommodate and fix and 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 so forth. And furthermore, he was he had a a remarkable appreciation for my strengths as well as my weaknesses, and he was very intentional on supporting me in my areas of weakness where he actually had many strengths in my many areas of weakness. And so he was more than happy to make sure that he spent a lot of time not delegating those things to me and making sure that I was spending time doing things where I could add the most value, have the most success for myself. And and so uh, right at this moment, I'm going to name Siggy for those kinds of, and he had no problem asking for commitment, I assure you. <laughs> Well, for me, the person I would name is someone who would not think of himself as a manager, but he was certainly a a mentor and did a lot of the things that a good manager does, Um, and it's Cal Garbin, and he was my official supervisor and and mentor um, during graduate school. And the thing about him was that he just had this great eye for potential, and he saw potential in lots of people, and he taught me how to tap into my own ability to see potential. And he was a great coach, and he taught me how to be a better coach. And he was a great teacher, and he taught me how to be a better teacher. He saw the things in me that he could build on, and he invested in doing it. And, as he always says, he always had a hand on my shoulder and a foot in my rear end. When I needed that push, he gave it to me. And when I needed encouragement and, you know, a a kind listening ear, he gave me that too. That's great. Thanks for sharing those. I'm going to switch our topic just slightly because we do want to hear questions from our listeners and we have one. So I want to read this one to you and get your take on it. The question goes like this. I was listening to your episode on continuously recruiting in the car yesterday and I was intrigued with the concept But when I reflected on the team that supports my recruiting efforts, I don't see a lot of proactive recruiting going on. Mostly just post, pray someone applies, and then a bunch of administration. How do I get my recruiters to adjust their tactics? Any recommendations? So as we wind up today, any recommendations briefly? Yes, the podcast on continuous recruiting, I suggest to this listener that don't rely on your recruiters. That's what we're trying to say. You yourself should be out there 
continuously cr- recruiting. You yourself, as you just go about your life, I'm not talking about that you take the, the time to d- do what they're doing. As you go about your normal life, you're going to meet some people who might be great members of your team, even if that's not what they're doing for a living right now. So when we're talking about continuously recruiting, if you're a manager, you shouldn't rely on the the professional recruiters on your staff to make sure that you're getting the best people. You yourself should be making efforts to find those people. Great, thanks. So as we wrap up our episode this week from chapters 34 and 35 of the book, Managing to Make a Difference, delegate to the right people and ask for a commitment. We thank you again for the commitment of your time today. And we hope that you will reach out to others and share the wisdom that you're learning in managing to make a difference. Send them to the podcast, ask them to send in their questions so we can address those. Pick up a copy of the book for you or for your entire management team and have a great week. We'll look forward to talking to you next week from managing to make a difference. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us for Managing to Make a Difference with Talent Plus's Larry Sternberg and Dr. Kim Turnage. We hope these real-life management examples will help you manage teams across the globe. Just a reminder, this series airs on Voice America, the business channel, each Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. We hope you'll tune in next week for Managing to Make a Difference. Until then, put these practices into place and manage to make a difference.